Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Ghost Maps was recorded on Audio-Technica mics. Ghost Maps. Entry 7. When I arrive at the East Coast Lagoon Food Village, Neil's finishing up his second egg prata. It's nine in the morning, and he'd already gone for an hour-long run along East Coast Park before this. Helps work up an appetite for breakfast, he says, standing up to greet me. I shake his hand, order myself a copio, and take a seat. He asks if the black coffee's because... I've had a long night, or whether it's too early in the day for me. I chuckle and tell him that I don't usually meet my interviewees in the morning. So yes, this is a bit new for me. He laughs, then asks if it helps with the atmosphere to tell these types of stories at night. A little, I reply with a smile. He tells me that he won't need any coaxing that telling these stories feels as natural to him as talking about his own family. I ask him to start at the beginning. But he says he can do better than that. How about, he asks, if I start with my father instead? It was 1972. Neil's Uncle Terence was in his mid-teens when he moved out on his own. Terence had a penchant for gambling, which created a rift between him and his mother, one that they never fully recovered from. To survive and feed his habit, he took odd jobs and shared a dirt-cheap second-floor shophouse unit down on Frankel Avenue with two of his friends. Neil's father, Justin, was 18 at the time. He was still close to Terence, so he'd meet up with Terence and his flatmates for drinks every couple of days. Justin would head to the Frankel Avenue place first, since he kept office hours, but the rest of them would only knock off at around 10 o'clock. Most of the time, he'd just shower, read a book, maybe even start drinking a little before they came back. There was one particular evening, however. The sun was just setting when Justin arrived at the flat. He went about his usual routine, but around an hour later, he started to hear something creaking in the back room. He brushed it off at first, his imagination he figured. Or maybe some noise from below. After all, the back room faced a busy alleyway. But as the evening went on, the noise grew louder. In the apartment 
grew colder. It was an unnatural chill. Justin knew that. Not some welcome evening breeze. He switched all the lights on in the main area and the single bedroom that the three men shared. The creaking grew louder still. Finally, he took a deep breath. Master's fear, with a brave face, more for himself than anyone or anything else, and headed to the back room. The creaking seemed almost deafening as he stood in front of the room. Cautiously, he turned the knob, then flung the door open. Almost immediately, he started shivering. The cold was different there, still unnatural, sure, but also biting. Neil tells me that his father described it as angry. I know what he means. The sound seemed to be coming from the corner of the room. The second before he whipped his head in that direction, Justin could have sworn that the moonlight shining through the window cast a shadow against the wall of something swinging from the ceiling. When Justin flicked the lights on, though, he saw that there was nothing and no one there. Just a bed that hadn't been slept in for a long while. The creaking sound stopped, but the biting cold remained. Justin looked around the room, refusing to physically acknowledge the cold. Instead, in as steady and as stern a voice as he could muster, he just yelled out loud, There's someone home! He closed the door, headed back to the main area, shakily lit a cigarette and opened a bottle of beer. The cold eventually died away, and soon after, Terence was home. Justin never did tell his brother what happened that evening, not until after Terence had moved out of the house. When Terence heard the story, he laughed. Why do you think we managed to rent it dirt cheap? He said. Suicide? I asked Neil. He nods. A young woman. A teenager, probably. No older than Terence was, at the time, had hung herself in that flat. Two years before Terence and his friends moved in. We both sit. Quiet for a moment. Finally, I turn to Neil with a slight smile and say, that must have been quite a yell your dad had. Neil's expression softens up. It's a yell I remember all too well from when I was growing up. He takes a sip of his tea and continues. There were a few more stories from the 70s, he tells me, but Neil wanted to jump to 1985. Neil was about three at this time. Justin had left his more freewheeling days behind him at the turn of the 80s, after Terence had died. After all, he was a dad now. 
but he still enjoyed a drink of two every now and then. He met up with an old friend, David, one of Terence's flatmates, one evening. They had a few laughs for a little while, but got to talking about Terence inevitably. Justin drank a little more than he should, and rather than he head home to his wife, he chose to crash on David's sofa. Like old times at Frankel Avenue, David said. Justin laughed weakly. The two men stumbled back to David's second-story flat, near the Badot Market, at around 2.30 in the morning. David tossed Justin a pillow and a blanket and started towards his bedroom. When David called him over to the balcony, there was a playground across the street, one of those that you don't see in around anymore, a pit of sand, monkey bars, and two slides. Standing at the foot of one of those slides, however, were the silhouettes of two children, a boy and a slightly taller girl. Justin asked David if he saw them too. His friend merely nodded. It was close to 3am at this point, and Justin's first thought wasn't how bizarre the whole situation was. All that went through his head was that those kids shouldn't have been out at the playground at that hour. Justin didn't notice the look of concern on David's face as he left the flat and took the stairs two at a time. All he was thinking was that maybe he could help those kids get home. He would tell Neil later that through his lingering stupor, all he was thinking about were Neil and his siblings in that moment. But when he reached the ground floor, he looked across the street and the kids weren't there. Justin knew that he couldn't have scattered that quickly and there was no sign of them anywhere else. He went back upstairs to see if David knew where they went. Instead, he found David shaking on the couch. He was about to ask him what was wrong when he himself felt an unnatural chill slowly pass through the flat. Immediately, Justin knew what was troubling David, and he knew who that girl was. Neil says that, after years of hearing those stories, he thinks that the boy was Terence, as his father remembered him, not the teenager that ran away from home, but the little boy that he used to look after. I ask him whether his father feels the same way, and he says that his father still isn't sure what to think. I don't think the girl was malicious at all, he says thoughtfully. He then adds, I think she just wanted attention back at Frankel Avenue to finally be heard or noticed instead of alone. And that second time, I think she wanted to make it up to Dad. Let him know that that Terence was all right. I tell Neil that's a nice sentiment. And I'd like to believe that that's true too. I thank him for sharing his stories. But he raises a hand to stop me before I can get up. He smiles at me and says, Those are just my dad's stories though. Now let me tell you mine. 
If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.